Well, your path to God's guidance. So we're still really talking about uh, basically the same thing, just taking a little further from Lesson 12. And our verses are Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When we, you know, when we really learn to do this, and we said would be last week, we said we'll be talking about trust, leaning, and acknowledging. And when we really learn to fully do that, it will be a transforming truth in our lives. You know, we have the, in the book of Genesis about Joseph and all the things that he went through, and all the things that happened to him, and you, you, you know he's human, so you assume that at least at some point, we don't have a record of it in the Bible, but at some point he had to think, you know, when is all this going to end? But he didn't know when it was going to end. It did end, but he didn't know when it was going to end. But yet he stayed faithful to God through every part of his, every one of his trials. It'd be, it would have been easy uh, to quit, but he did his best. Now, he did not have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but he certainly applied the principles of leaning on God and trusting in God uh, to his life. Now, what if we were in Joseph's shoes and we were put into prison for something that we didn't do? Would we continue to trust and to lean and to acknowledge God for who he is? You know, sometimes we think that, well, Something's wrong because something's wrong has happened to me. And what what is God thinking about? Well, we don't know what God's thinking about, but he's not wrong. He knows what's going on. In my Bible reading, I uh, was reading over, went through Acts, and then we were reading another over in something about John and uh, Peter and James and John and Peter were the three that were closest to Christ and we say well if we live for God everything good everything's going to be good well James and John were brothers one was the first apostle to be martyred the other was the last one to die uh, James was martyred, with a, killed with a sword. Uh, John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Tradition has it uh, that he was boiled in oil and wouldn't die. And then Peter, the other one, tradition has it that he was crucified upside down. But they're all in heaven today. And so it's, it's not the physical reward that we need to look to, but the spiritual reward for living for Christ. Again, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So how are you right now? You're not in jail. You hadn't been falsely accused and put in jail, but how is your life right now? What decisions do you have coming up that you're going to have to make? What changes in your life? What unknown thing 
uh, lies in front of you. We all have those, and maybe you can't think of something unknown coming up right now, but sometime in the near future, you'll have something uh, unknown coming up. And uh, with our limited knowledge, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know as Christians that God knows what tomorrow holds. And we know that God has given us a formula for knowing what to do. Not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing what to do. Although he won't show us the future, he will show us what steps to take one step at a time. You say, well, I want to know what step five is. Well, when you finish step four, you'll know what step five is. We want to know ahead of time, don't we? We want to see it all laid out. But that's not the way it happens. But the first thing we have to do is trust. Now, the words trust, faith, and believe are in the Bible, and they all mean very similar things, the same core meaning, but uh, trust has a specific connotation. Uh, It implies the following things. A, to be persuaded. When you got saved, you were persuaded by the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood for your sins, and it was necessary for you to ask him to forgive you for your sins for you to get to heaven. So if you're saved, you have been persuaded. But we must continue in our lives to be persuaded to do the right thing for the Lord. It goes, uh, to be persuaded by anything is to be moved to action. You say, well, well, he persuaded me to do this. Well, did you do it? You know, I believe you ought to do this. Have you done it? Then you're really not persuaded. It's not just thinking that God uh, is probably who he says he is, not just thinking that God is good, not just thinking he's sovereign, not just thinking that God is love, but it being completely convinced of all these things. Everything that happens in your life whether good or bad, is always authored, is not always authored by God, but it is allowed by God. God knows what's going on in your life. Now, when I was growing up, there were times I would fall like walking on the snow or tripped over a root in the woods or maybe uh, slid down an embankment, even slid down an embankment to a creek once, and I didn't hear, are you okay? Are you hurt? I didn't even hear you're all right. This is what I heard. If you would make sure your foot is on solid ground before you pick up your other foot and put it down, you wouldn't fall. I don't know how many times I heard it. I know I knew it was every time I fell. <laughs> That's what I heard. Now, it's good advice. It's sort of hard to absorb when you're trying to separate the mud from the blood. But it's good advice, isn't it? And it's true. You make sure where one foot is before you pick up your other foot and put it down. And you won't fall. Now, who says something like it? Every money. <laughs> I thought that's what every dad said. It's good advice in your daily walk with the Lord. Make sure, and you've heard me say something very similar to this before, but make sure you're in the Lord's will where you are before you make a decision 
and base that decision on solid biblical principles and you'll be in God's will when you take the next step. It, it works every time. It's just like making sure your one foot is good before you pick up the other foot. You make sure you're in God's will. You make sure you're following godly principles before you take your next step. And you'll be in God's will after you take that step. It's not always that easy. It's not, it's not an instantaneous thing that you know exactly what to do when the time comes. But if we pray, talk to God, we'll know. Be persuaded that he is good. Be convinced that he is wise. And be sure that he is perfect. And then not only to be persuaded, but then to be obedient. As we said, people say they're persuaded, but they're not obedient. Which actually means they're not persuaded. If you're convinced that God's ways are the best, that belief would naturally lead to obedience. You know, a lost person may say, I truly believe what you say about heaven and hell, but I'll get saved later. No, they don't truly believe. They think you might be right. They're pretty sure you might be right, but they don't truly believe. It's just like, let's pretend there's a door right here, okay? Door's shut. And a person's standing on this side, okay? A lost person is standing on this side door. Now then, if they are fully persuaded, if they truly believe that there is a bomb that's going to go off and blow up, a hand grenade or so forth, on the other side of that door, and if they open that door, it will go off. They will not open that door. Now, see, there's a door over here. Now, they're fully persuaded that there's a bomb over there, so they can't go out there. Now, there's another door here. And the door opens. And if they walk through that door, there's eternal life on the other side. Now, if they're fully convinced that if they walk through that door, they will receive eternal life, they will walk through that door. But they stay over here. So they're not fully convinced, are they? It works both ways. When you're fully convinced as a Christian, when you're fully persuaded, you will be obedient to God's word. Why would you choose to reject what you truly believe is best for you? Obedience to Christ is a key way to prove that you truly do trust the Lord. Missionaries come in here from time to time. And we, we just finished taking up for a missionary for a special project. If you truly believe that the Lord will bless you for giving... And the Lord has laid on your heart to give a certain amount. And you truly believe that you will be better off. It will bless you. It will help you to do what God says. If you truly believe that, then you'll do that. But what happens is, in our mind, that's too much. I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do the other. Well, this is what you need to do. Next time a missionary comes in and you ask God, whether you ask God, should I give something to him 
or, or maybe we're taking it up for that missionary. You know it's an offering for that missionary. And the Lord lays on your heart to give $20. But you, in your mind, reason out that you don't need to do that. Well, what you need to do is let that missionary know that. And say, listen, the Lord told me to give $20, but I knew better, and I decided not to. Or, the devil told me to give $20, but I know better, and I'm not going to. Well, one of them told you, right? Do you think the devil told you to give $20 to a missionary? Not unless the Lord said give 100 Then the devil might tell you to give 20 If we're truly convinced what God says, of what God says, that's what we'll do. The song, Trust and Obey, uh, was inspired by a simple testimony of a young Christian. He had just been recently saved, and he stood up and testified, said, I am going to trust and obey. I don't know what he wants me to do, but I'm going to trust it, and I'm going to obey. And uh, a song leader heard that, and he, give the, he told the words to, to a man named John Samus, if I'm saying the name right. And John Samus had certainly learned through his life to trust and obey, and he wrote the words to trust and obey. Come from a simple testimony. And we don't know what testimony our life when our lives when we obey what God wants us to do what that does for somebody else so him to stand up and saying listen this is what God's telling me and this is what I'm going to do and how many times have you heard the song trust and obey so to be persuaded then to be obedient and then to be willing. Your spirit wants to win out against the Holy Spirit. Because you're, you're, you still have the old man inside. Now you, as Paul says, you want to do what's right, but there's something inside you want, not want to do what's right. You're not the only Christian whose spirit fights with the Holy Spirit. It's not you and a few more. It's not... Ever, you, it's not you and everybody else except the preachers. It's everybody. We have to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to override what we want to do. We have to become willing. Now, you have your outline there with you. So fold that outline shut. If it's open, fold it shut. And now then, keep it shut. Now then, of course, we're pretending, okay? Now, magically, what's going to appear when you open that outline is God's will for your life. It's just going to, you open it up, it's going to tell you exactly what God's will is for your life. Now, you know what we want to do? We want to, well, what's it going to be? You know, what's God's will going to be? Well, we don't always know. We just know one day at a time what God's will is for our life. It could be, uh, the lesson actually says 10 kids but in most cases here we'd have to say 10 grandkids 
It might say no grandkids. It might say cancer. We don't know what's going to be inside that. It could be you get a new home. It could be you lose your home. Are you willing to go through what's on the inside of that? We don't know what we have to go through. It's not in there, so y'all can open it up if you want to. <laughs> One of the greatest biblical examples of, of trusting God is Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. Now, we, we look at this and we say, well, that was easy. Because they did what God said. But what if they had had to overcome by themselves, without God, the walls of Jericho? They would have never succeeded. The people of Jericho built those walls so nobody could defeat them. Nobody had mortar rounds that they could shoot into the walls and bring the walls down. Nobody had any artillery they could shoot over the walls. They couldn't shoot arrows over them. They couldn't do anything. They were... Uh, they were defended very well. There was no human offense that could overcome those walls. So it was, it, what seemed easy was actually their most difficult battle. But put yourself in Joshua's shoes for just a moment. Now he's following Moses, right? Now they've seen, he, he and the rest of the Israelites, they've seen all kinds of miracles. But this is another one. This is something that Joshua has to be fully persuaded. He couldn't think, now, that's good, God, and then if we do this too, it'll be better. But he didn't, did he? He said, well, God, you know, we walk one time for six days, one time a seventh day. Seven's your perfect number, God. And if we walk seven the seventh day, that'll be 13. That'd be bad luck. But it didn't add to it. And I'd have to study back over it again, but right now in my head I'm thinking Joshua didn't know what was going to happen when they shouted. He just did what God said. And then you have to realize, too, that what are the people thinking about? What are the, what are the uh, men of battle thinking about as they're walking around Jericho? Are they got any bows and arrows up there? Are they throwing something over? You know? What are they doing? Are they getting ready for what's inside? We're just walking, and they're in there, and they're getting ready, and well, if we ever do anything, we're, we, we're done. They just followed Joshua. They just followed Joshua. They trusted Joshua to follow the Lord. And when he did what God said, the walls fell down. You know, there's walls in our lives that come up. There's no offense that we have to overcome them. I had a picture took with Earl. Hadn't done it yet. I was trying to decide this is exactly what I want to do. But I think I want to put Sheila to post that. 
with our, just me and him and put 74 days in the hospital between the two of us. There was nothing he could do. There was nothing I could do. There was nothing Janine could do. There was nothing Sheila could do. But the wall came down. We just have to trust in the Lord. I'm not going to read all those verses, but I think we pretty well know the story of Joshua. If you want to see the walls come down in your life, the walls of fear, the walls of pain and sin, you need to be willing to do whatever God asks you to do. Take that one step at a time. If you seek fulfillment from anywhere other than God, you'll find yourself disappointed. Like I said, Joshua could say, God, you know that, it's got to be right because you're saying it, but if we did this, and so many times we think when God tells us what we need to do, but this would be better. And logically speaking, it probably sounds good, but it's not what God said. And then next, you need to learn to lean. Now, it's like leaning on this podium up here. I'm, if I've leaned a certain amount, I can't lean for so much. But if I'm at this point right here, if this podium gives way right now, I'm coming down. But I'm trusting this podium to stay where it's at. So we have to lean and re, we have to rely on God. That he is able, we can rest in him. Now sometimes when someone has had surgery, I know that both when I had knee surgery, when I come out of the hospital, I used a cane uh, to make sure I could keep my balance. Because I had, when, when I come out of the hospital this time, I had no, no balance. Matter of fact, I mean, they asked me, said, how far can you lean forward? This is with the uh, rehab personnel in there. And said, how far can you lean forward? And I went, that was it. Anymore, I'm going over. So I had to learn to rely on that cane. But what happens when somebody has that cane and it's, it's aggravating, you know? You get up and you know your wife's looking at you, so you got to get the <laughs> So you get the cane. But what happens when you don't get the cane? And I know when I, when I had knee surgery, uh, walking through the yard, Yard's not perfectly level. The least little bit of hole felt like it was that deep. Had to be very careful. So what happens when you forget that cane and you come against something like that? You fall down. Same thing happens when we forget to rely on God. We think we're doing what's right, but we haven't asked God about it. We convince ourselves that we must, when we have, well, we convince ourselves that what we think is right needs to happen. It's good to have a vision of the future. It's good to desire for God to use us. But our desire for God to use us should never replace our desire to simply know God. Uh, you have to think about that for a while. You say, well, 
I'm desiring for God to use me, that means I know God. Not necessarily. First, you know God. Never trust in what you think God's doing. Just trust in God. So it's... Did I miss something? Am I clicking here? Oh, I hadn't been clicking. So it's know God, and then you'll know if it's God. It's just like, so my cousin was coming to church. And I told Brother Eddie, now Brother Eddie, when he gets here, as soon as he comes in, turns in the driveway, I want you to go out there and meet him for me because I can't go out there. You wouldn't be able to do that, would you, Brother Eddie? If that's all the instructions I give you. Because he don't know him. He don't know what he drives. So he can't just go do what he says, what I ask him to do, because he don't know him. We can't just go do what we think God wants us to do till we know God first. How do we recognize what God wants of us if we don't know him first? How is he going to go out there and welcome somebody into the church if he doesn't know who it is? So first we have to know God. So we have to read God's word. We have to pray. We have to meditate. We have to, we have to ask God for a desire to know him. Now if you ask God for a desire to know him, if you ask God for a desire to know more about him, if you ask God for a desire to know his word, you're going to get it. And when you know him, then you know what steps to take. Then you know if God is in the next step. And then to rest. When you say that you were resting on something, you convey a message that you're finding comfort, ease, and contentment. When you lean on God, you'll be amazed at the peace that you have in your life. Isaiah 26 and 3 that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. When you're trusting in God, you have no reason to worry about anything. Are you resting in the almighty God of the universe, not just the God that rules the universe, but the God that created the universe into existence? He has the perfect plan for your life no matter how unfortunate the circumstances may seem right now, when you trust him, you find rest and perfect peace. Because you know whatever it is, whatever the outcome is, it's going to be his will when you're trusting in him. And we're going to pick up right there next week and we'll finish this uh, Transforming Truths uh, next week and then get into... Uh, the next series. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity you've given us to come. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to lean on you. Help us to be persuaded, Lord, uh, that what you are telling us through the Holy Spirit is true. In Jesus' name we pray.